Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule, but before we do, guys, guess what? So I was visiting the Huntley campus this weekend, and I met Damon Carlson. He attends our Huntley campus. Yeah, Damon. And he actually walked up to me and was like, hey, love the podcast. I have like a, a question for you to ask Clayton and Eric for me to answer as well. And um, so, so our banter today is brought to you by Damon Carlson. Here's the question. Are you ready? If I, you, I guess we have to be. Yes, you have to be. <laughs> if you could be any cartoon character, which would it be? Eric, <laughs> you going to answer this first? Damon was super excited to see what you would say. Uh, you know, when at the end of the podcast, every week you say, if you have comments, questions, or suggestions, yes, email yes. us at... Bi- uh, podcast at biblesavvy.com. Yes. Uh, can we take it back? Well, he didn't email us. No. He, he, he came to me and I know, told me. I know, I know he didn't But email. now I'm just going to specifically say, if you do want to send us questions... You should email us at what, Eric? Podcast at biblesavvy.com. There you go. So what's your answer, Eric? Okay, so I, in my mind, I am going through the whole historical spectrum of cartoons from like when I was a kid all the way up to cartoons my kids watched. So I'm thinking everything from Ricochet Rabbit and Deputy Droopalong, which is, this is old school stuff. What or, the heck? Yeah, I know. It's old. I don't uh, even know what those are. It's, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, remember McGilla Gorilla? Or a grape ape? These are no. these are the. You are making this up as we go along. I'm like, not just, making this like, up. You're just picking an animal and a rhyming word with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. I promise you, the fifty somethings or the sixty somethings that are listening to this podcast know what I'm talking about. Uh, or you you go a little bit more modern, but still old. Heckle and Jekyll. Troublemakers, Woody Woodpecker, Troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but love Woody. Woodpecker. If I'm picking. What cartoon character I would want to be? That's the question. This is hands down winner for me. SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> oh my gosh. There you go, David. SpongeBob. I loved everything about that show. Wow. Okay. Uh... Playful, fun, joyful. I love everything about SpongeBob. <laughs> Sarcastic, you know, yeah, yeah everything. No, it works. Yeah, yeah, it works. Clay- Clayton, how about I, you? I'm I'm having a hard time uh, nailing one down. Um, but I, so I'm thinking about the cartoons that I watched when I was a kid, and the only ones that are really good that I'd want to be one of them are the superhero cartoons. I'd come home after school, and I would go up. My my grandmother lived in the room next door, and she had a TV, so I'd go in there and I'd watch X Men and Spider Man. And so, obviously, being a superhero, but that's a little bit of a workaround because they're they're comic book characters, mm-hmm. but they were in cartoons. So there's that. But the like modern ones that my kids watch, um, if, you, if you've seen Bluey, you guys watch Bluey? No. Oh my gosh, guys. This is the most clever, hilarious. Um, they're little short ones. They're like seven or eight minutes long. And it's about this family of dogs in Australia. And it, they are brilliant. Um, but the dad in that. It, like I genuinely would aspire to be like that that dog. His name is Bandit, and he is like so much fun. Like he's a hilarious dad for his kids. So it's like a genuinely like I could be that character if if you know the like, dad is Aww. a dog. The dad, yeah, all a of dog. the it's a dog family. It's a dog family. It's a family of dogs. That's cute. And the show is called Bluey. Bluey is the the kid dog's name, but yeah. Bluey. All right. 
So for me, this is going back to when I was a kid. So Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes. It's a character called Sniffles the Mouse. What? And yeah, Sniffles of all Looney Tunes. The mouse of all That's like Looney a deep Tunes. Cut. Because for some reason, whenever someone talks to me about cartoons, this is the first little cartoon figure that pops into my brain. And it's because he has the most cutest voice. He like <laughs> the, talks, most, the, the most the most cutest, cutest voice. voice. <laughs> he talks like a hundred miles an hour and it's it's just like the hi my name's Sniffles. Play it. Do you have it on your phone? I do have it on my phone. Wait, well, wow. we gotta we gotta hear it. You this. got a microphone, you oh, got a phone. On, no, wait. I don't know if there's going to be one of those like ads An that ad? pops up. Maybe, probably. We've been there. I've, can, done, I've done that. On, I've done that. On. Oh, in, in Spanish? In Spanish? <laughs> That's okay. Is it Sniffles? It's okay if Sniffles, Sniffles is speaking Spanish. Let's That's hear Sniffles. Sniffles speaking in Spanish. The, the previous one was. Uh, That's, the previous one was not was not was, him. That was the most cutest. It the was most cutest. The most cutest. Hold on. I want to be that cat. <laughs> the cat. You know, a lot of times we get we get suggestions from people that say our podcast should be a video podcast. Yeah, that, in this moment, that. it would be helpful because Nikki's smile is <laughs> so big. <laughs> listening to sniffles, I just love it. It gives me so much joy. So there you go, Damon. Thanks for. Uh, Thanks for helping us smile today. So our answers are SpongeBob, Sniffles, Sniffles. And, and Bandit, the dad from Bluey. All right. Bandit, the dad from Bluey. There and this go. just proves that if people will email us at... Podcast at BibleSavvy.com. That they actually do have some control over what happens in this show. <laughs> it's very true. This, this is what you get. All right. We, we are in the book of Proverbs again today. This is our last week in Proverbs. So we are going to be in uh, chapter 25. And as we have been doing kind of our, our little season of slightly different format for uh, the Bible Savvy podcast, we are going to each pick a proverb from this chapter and we're going to discuss what the principle behind it is where it works, where it doesn't work, kind of what, what the limitations are. It's in the discussing that you grow wise when you're talking about Proverbs. And so that's what we're going to do again today. Um, so let's start with you, Nikki. Mm -hmm. What is the proverb you picked out from chapter 25? Um, I picked verses 21 and 22. Uh, it says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Um, I picked that one because, uh, it is super like countercultural, and we know that the Bible is just a very countercultural thing, but to, to, to actually say, if do this to your, for your enemy, like not a lot of people are inclined to do that. So, um, I started kind of thinking like, here's the thing that stuck to me, right? It's like, what is this heaping burning coals on your head thing? Um, so I went to the study notes. I went to Romans 12 because there's a reference to Romans 12. Uh, Paul actually says the same thing that in verses 21 and 22. And what it tells us is that the practical side of uh, doing good to your enemy, okay, is that uh, in doing good to one's enemy, instead of trying to take revenge on them, which might be some people's like inclination, um, is that instead of, in, by doing good, you may bring them to repentance. They're going to see, like, they may, they may step back and go, oh, wow, that person did that for me, right? Um, but that still doesn't kind of answer the questions of the heaping the burning coals. So if you look in the study notes of Proverbs 25, verse 22, um, it says this. It says, 
uh, horrible punishment reserved for the wicked. Here, however, it is kindness that will hurt the enemy, um, but perhaps win him over. Okay. Um, alternatively, the expression may reflect an Egyptian cleansing ritual in which a guilty person, as a sign of his repentance, carried a basin of glowing coals on his head. The meaning here, then, would be that in returning good for evil, um, and so being kind to your enemy, you may cause him to repent or change, um, even if your enemy remains. And, and the whole part about like the Lord re- like rewarding you, it says here, it says, the Lord would reward you for doing that good deed to them, even if your enemy still remained hostile to you. So, what I picked up from this is we don't actually know what that means. There's like three different, three different like <laughs> possibilities of what the heaping the burning coals actually represents. Um, but I think, I think we can come to an understanding without fully knowing what it means historically back then, right? That if, if we do good to the people who do wrong to us, that hopefully it's going to bring about some sort of pause in them that might go, oh, wow, uh, well, that person, I, I didn't expect that. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to help them to, to hopefully think twice before they do it again or repent of what they did or change in some way, as according to what the study note said. Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the note there, the, the, the idea that we don't necessarily know definitively what the burning coals thing is. Right. Um, it's actually a really good thing to notice because um, sometimes when we're reading the Bible, whether it's Proverbs or something else, we can actually get hung up on the details that we don't understand when the main ideas actually aren't that hard to figure out. And so that's just kind of a recommendation. Like if you're reading through and you come across something, you're like, what What does that mean? And you get kind of hung up on it. Like, I'm not going to understand this if I don't figure it out. Most of the time, most of the time, the big ideas, the main things are clear. And sometimes the, there are details that you say, I don't know if I figured that out or the study note helped me or it didn't help or whatever, but you can still get the main thing. Um, but when it comes to that main idea of like doing good, I, it's counterintuitive. It's like a countercultural thing. And yet there is some like, when you reflect on it, some wisdom to uh, doing like the in, like opposite of what would be expected in a conflict. Um Sometimes when you fight with someone and you like, they come at you with force, you come at them with force. And I don't necessarily mean physical, but there's, um, it almost makes you retreat into your positions more. Like when, when there's a back and forth that you push on each other, Mm -hmm. there is a sense that, uh, it almost reinforces the, the unwillingness to hear. So, uh, you know, someone, someone's saying, I've really got a problem with this and you argue with them, then they start defending and they almost they convince themselves more of what they think or what they're doing. Um, and there's something that throws someone off balance that actually lets something new come in. When you say, I'm going to do good to them. And they're like, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. And they've got to grapple with that in a way that you just arguing straight up or pushing back um, would be, would, wouldn't challenge them in the same way. Yeah. I think there's it too. It creates this, uh, obviously it creates a boundary. It's a avoidance, right? Like I don't, I don't really want to, have anything to do with that person so giving him something to eat or something to drink is not necessarily going to be something that you're going to do but um because you're trying to avoid them right but in this it's saying like don't like actually go and serve them you know like go out of your way to actually drop that barrier to 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 push down that wall that could be built up by that hostility if you took out one phrase in in this proverb it doesn't change the meaning, it, it, but it also removes 
a large part of the conversation. So I'm going to remove the first phrase in verse 22. So here's the whole thing. If your enemy's hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink and the Lord will reward you. Mm-hmm. If I take out the whole, in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Mm-hmm. And we talked about all the possibilities of what that means. You still end up with a bit of wisdom here, which is if you will treat your enemies well, not just your friends, the Lord sees it and will reward you. Yeah. yeah. Which is good enough for me. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Period. Right. When, when we talk about Proverbs, we often need to ask the question, okay, where are the limits to this principle? Because it's not, it's not a law that says you have to do this all the time, although there are things in the New Testament that make this a little stronger than just you know, a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, there, it's always worth saying, where are the places where this breaks down a bit? And I think with some of these, uh, I think of situations where there is um, a, a threat of safety that you could get out of. So... Um, there are people who are in abusive situations and they, they'll read something like this and they will, it will um, reinforce their sense of, I, I got to stay, kind of codependence kind of things um, where people think, I've got to be good to this person. I got to be good to this person. The reality is there are times when drawing a boundary is the best thing you can do for that person. Uh, both it's good for you because you're out of the dangerous situation, but also um, allowing someone to not continue to harm or abuse is actually a good thing. It keeps, it's, um, doing something that is for their benefit and may even provoke them to, to some kind of change or, or possibility of change. So uh, there's always those kinds of situations uh, where if you can get out, you have permission to get out. This isn't obligating you to stay in danger. Um, and yet there are situations where people, they can't get out or that, you know, you think of historically people who have been oppressed and, and enslaved and, and persecuted where they still have chosen to say, all right, I'm going to do good uh, even though I can't get out. So uh, it's a, it's a challenging one. Mm-hmm. All right, Eric, what's your proverb? What'd you pick out? Well, for mine, we're going to move away from burning coals being heaped on people's heads to eating honey. So here it is, verse 16. If you find honey, eat just enough, too much of it, and you will vomit. <laughs> okay. That's, that's good. That's very practical. <laughs> mm. What say you, Nikki, about eating too much honey? It's really sweet. <laughs> my, my, my one of every year for Christmas, all of my family members, uh, we exchange stocking stuffers, little $15 or less gifts. If you're on the list, you have to buy for everybody. So at Christmas, I get a lot of silly gifts under the tree, which is fun. Well, last year, one of my sisters got me this unbelievably good spicy honey. And I put it on everything. It's huh. so good. On pe- I put it on pizza. I put it on chicken. Like... I put it on everything. That's it's, That's it's, it's 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 really awesome. good. Um, so obviously this is about moderation, right? This is enjoy good things, but don't fool yourself into thinking that continually having more of that good thing is going to bring more pleasure because there's a tipping point mm-hmm. where the pleasure turns into agony. Yeah, we've all uh, yeah we've all over eight, right? We all yeah. we all know what that feels like to quit not be judging, able judger. To <laughs> So, so here's a here's a a story that happened just last night in my house. So uh, my son was back in town. One of his friends from Ohio was in town. His girlfriend was at my house. So we had a full dinner table. But I had to go do a church thing after dinner. When I came back, dessert was on the the kitchen island, and it was a pie. But when I was away at this church thing. Uh, I, I received a thank you gift. People got me cannolis because they know I like cannolis. So I come home with cannolis. 
So now there's pie and cannolis on the kitchen island. Well, my son's girlfriend was eating a piece of pie and I said, would you also like a cannoli? And she said, sure. So now she's eating a piece of pie and a cannoli, which she knows is against better judgment. My wife had already had her piece of pie, uh, but she says no to a cannoli, but then says out loud, well, since I'm not eating a cannoli, that entitles me to a second piece of pie, right? (laughs) (laughs) Then I ate a piece of the pie, which was crazy good. So everyone else is having two desserts. So, then <laughs> so I'm you- like, oh, I will just join the fun of having two desserts. And I'm not kidding you. Five minutes later, all three of us were miserable. We're like, why didn't any of us call out how bad of an idea this was? We were all enabling each other. So I just lived this proverb last night. One piece of pie, delightful. Two pieces of pie, not delightful. Another takeaway. Don't eat desserts with Eric because <laughs> you're all overeat. <laughs> Do you like cannolis? I love cannolis. Do you like cannolis? Yeah. Man, cannolis are so good. (laughs) They're delicious. (laughs) Now, here's the deal. I didn't have any cannolis last night, so those cannolis are still in my fridge. Mm -hmm. So tonight, I'm going to apply this this proverb. I'm going to have one cannoli and one cannoli only. That's That's good. And of course, you can extrapolate this proverb proverb to other things. You know, there any it's not just food; it's any any uh, enjoyable, pleasurable thing that we get. We we debated about talking about the. proverb that comes right after this one where it talks about seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you and they will hate you it's almost the reverse you're the cannoli in that <laughs> one <laughs> it's like it's like they might like you but, but not that but not, but not that, that much, much. <laughs> how about applying it in this setting so this summer we went to our town's carnival like fair so there you know you so you buy like the unlimited ride bracelet and you want to get as much out of that unlimited ride bracelet as you can so we're just going from ride to ride to ride too many rides is not a good thing. At, yeah. at a certain point, you're like, I have a headache. My neck hurts. I think I'm going to throw up. I'm dizzy. So it could be applied in a it lot of, yeah, a lot of settings. Yeah. There's a lot. All right, let, let's talk about my proverb here. Uh, we're going to look at uh, verse 15, a vivid one here. It says, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. So that's uh, there, there's a, a contrast here, the gentle tongue breaking a bone. So there's something intriguing going on here. I, I think the principle here is that there are times when the most powerful thing is not necessarily the most forceful thing. So um, this is this may be similar to what we talked about with the you know loving your enemy kind of thing, uh, but there are situations where uh, a direct sort of like frontal approach saying, this is how I'm going to get this done, um, may look like what you should try, but it turns out something like patience, waiting someone out or kind of working on the problem slowly or uh, giving time for someone to be convinced of something um, is the way it gets done. Or, oh my goodness. That means it's time for your comma tip of the week. Don't settle for merely reading the Bible or studying it or listening to it preached. Put the Bible into play in your life. It's why the last letter in the comma method is A for application. The wisdom books in our Bible, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, are not about knowledge well-known. They're about a life well-lived. So, this week, put something into practice and see how it goes. And this has been your comma tip of the week. (laughs) <laughs> he almost brought his radio voice there. It was like, I, it like shifted from conversation to... <laughs> definitely there. That's good. So... Uh, <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> Doesn't that segment demand my radio voice? <laughs> it, does. it sure yes. does. It sure does. Um, so we're talking about... Uh, what What was I talking about? 
Dude, they're always so my perfect. Hot. So good. It's so good. This is this is what uh, this is what Eric's here for. Um, we're talking about the the past the proverb that talks about how a gentle tongue can break a bone. Yes. Um, and how sometimes sometimes the way uh, something really traumatic gets done is not through the direct use of force, but through these patient, gentle means. Uh, which again is another counterintuitive thing. Uh, when we want to get things done or we want to persuade, sometimes we think I just got to go after it. Um, but there is something um, not not just subtle, but like um, it, it almost like gets in under the skin, under the surface and works its way out. It's almost like those parables where Jesus talks about a seed being planted and at first it seems small, but then it takes over uh, kind of thing. And so I think there is a wisdom to saying sometimes patience and gentleness is the most powerful thing. Okay, so let me, let me look at it this way. Um, I, I get that, right? But... There is sometimes a benefit to being direct, right? Like just kind of speaking, like speaking truth in love doesn't have to mean that we're harsh, but we're, that we're direct. If, if, we, if we love someone, we're going to say something because we know it's going to help them, right? So it's just kind of saying. That's also what, how you fight against terrorism. If you see something, say, say something. something. Say something. <laughs> okay. It works in so many, there so you many go. levels. So there is a benefit though. So we're so I guess the wisdom comes in of knowing which tactic to use, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that's situational. Yeah, there there are different I mean, you have to be able to read like the ruler, you know what I mean? Yeah. There there are probably some people who if they're your boss or your, you know, coach or, mm-hmm. you know, a political, you know, uh, representative or something where you want to say I want to like make a point here. It might direct might be the best way, but there are probably also times where you, where we might not even consider the option to say, "What if the long game? What if the what if the the slow persuasive yeah. thing? What if the waiting someone out is actually the way that it's going to be most effectively accomplished?" Yeah, you can even say that for like different personality types. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they uh, respond better to different types of things. Yeah. So, okay. I have to imagine that counselors apply this proverb good counselors apply this proverb a lot i'm just thinking i'm not a counselor i'm not a licensed therapist but because i'm a pastor there's oftentimes where i'm sitting down talking to someone and i'm trying to help them and and i'm telling i'm telling myself in my head like don't speak don't give them the answer don't give them the solution and really what's going on there is a gentleness and a patience to a, because a lot of times people kind of figure things out on their own and persuade mm-hmm. themselves, you know. So someone's saying something, you say, "Well, why do you think that?" or "Why do you think you did that?" or, and then eventually, over a period of time, there is a persuasion, and you didn't directly say anything, you didn't make any kind of case, but the other person drew a conclusion, and so I have to imagine if we had a counselor sitting in here that they'd probably have a lot to say on this proverb. Yeah, and they and they'd probably be the sort of people who know when to do the direct thing like what when the timing is right you know what i mean it's almost like there's a there's some work to be done and then there's a all right a directly addressing things yeah and sometimes there's there's the waiting it out uh, i heard someone talk about um and i think this was probably in like a a marriage context kind of thing talking about spouses you know trying to you know you want to change your spouse there's something that you want them to work on and and someone saying you're not the holy spirit remember you're not the holy spirit and there's something about saying the the change that comes about 
is giving space for God to do that in someone. And that doesn't mean you, sometimes you are the voice that does that, but other times what the way you do that is make space so that you don't have to be that person. The Holy spirit is doing that. Uh, there's, there's some trust that goes into that. That's really good. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.